Welcome to the Progress Portland Podcast. I'm Tim Halver. Uh, Kip Silverman is out this week with the Rona, so uh, we wish that he recovers quickly. Uh, but I am here and happy to be here with District 3 candidate Robin Yee. Uh, thanks for being here. It's great to be here. I'm very excited for this. Great. Yeah, well, we're, we're excited to get to know you. Uh, why don't we just start with giving us a little bio and telling us uh, you know, where you're coming from. Sure. Uh, I'm Robin Yee. I'm running to represent the people of District 3 in the new Portland City Council because uh, I believe we can build a better Portland. I'm the son of immigrants. My parents immigrated from mainland China in the 90s in search of a better life. They wanted more freedoms and opportunities for their children. I grew up in Beaverton, but growing up, uh, some of my fondest memories were when my family came out to visit shops and grocery stores and restaurants all along 82nd Avenue, you know, in search of those familiar sights and smells and mm-hmm. sounds and for, for my family, spices and seafood sure. that uh, reminded my parents of home. Uh, after college, I returned back to the communities on 82nd to uh, serve and organize as an organizer at Apano. I continued that work uh, for the last three years as a chief of staff in the Oregon legislature to state representative Con Pham, who represents uh, Southeast Portland and many of the same neighborhoods in District 3. Today, my wife Jill and I, we live in Montevilla. Uh, this is our home. Uh, Portland is a place that's tremendously shaped me. I convinced some of my best friends uh, across the country to move to Portland, which is really great for me. Uh, I fell in love and got married here in Portland. Um, I feel like I learned to be a better person uh, in Portland because Portland's a, a special place. It's full of wonderful people. And that's part of why I'm running, right? I'm running because I believe Portland can be a place where all of us can breathe clean air to put a roof over our heads and support our loved ones. Um, But unfortunately, for far too long, too many Portlanders have been ignored or left behind by their city government because of their neighborhoods, you know, distance from City Hall or their lack of ability to fund politicians' campaigns. So, you know, I want to work with all Portlanders to build a city that works for all of us, no matter who we are. Great. And um, you talked about clean air. I want to get back to that in a second. But before we go there, I want to ask about uh, your experience in the state legislature with CONFAM. Yeah, soon to be Senator CONFAM, we hope. Yeah. You know, what did you learn in that office? And what did you learn particularly about consensus building and, and standing up for your beliefs? Yeah, it takes a lot to be in Salem to show up, right? It, it I mean, it's been amazing to see more communities brought into Salem through the election of historic firsts like Rep. Pham. When she was first elected, she was the first Vietnamese American legislator our state's ever seen. Now we have five in the House alone, right? So we we see that progress. I, I think in my work in the state legislature, we've seen what happens when we combine grassroots community organizing with elected leaders that will stand up for what's right and you know do that hard work of bringing in communities into our politics to build those coalitions, right, that Mm -hmm. can endure and pass really big things like the nation's strongest clean energy standards. We passed that. We saw the communities come together to bring millions in safety investments for 82nd Avenue, right? And that's now transferred into the hands of the city. Just this summer, you begin to see some of those crosswalks and lighting and safety because that's 82nd Avenue is one of the most dangerous corridors. Uh, We see some of the highest crashes and, you know, pedestrian deaths on 82nd, but also throughout the city. So 
yeah, we can, I've, I believe we can make big change because I've been a part of that and I've seen that happen. And so I hope to, you know, bring a lot of that experience and that expertise to what we'll need in the city now, since the new council is going to rely on city council's ability to focus on policy, right, to engage with constituents, hear the problems and turn them into policy actions to build coalitions. Yeah. And I, you know, I've heard a lot about the problem of pedestrian deaths and safety issues, and it's horrible. Um, And I'm wondering what you've learned about traffic calming and what, what you think works. Yeah, I mean, I think throughout the city, but particularly in District 3, we have an epidemic of traffic violence in our city. I live near an intersection that is one of the deadliest in the city. 82nd Avenue alone has uh, six of our like top, I think, like 15 deadliest intersections in the city. And so I think that points to a city that's not working for everyone. You know, Portland. Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's an equity issue. Uh, yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. People, right? If you have a car and you're driving around, then you don't we you don't see, experience this. Problem. We see that along Cesar Chavez in our district, right, and in Powell Boulevard. We know that Portlanders deserve a city where they know that their loved ones, when they cross the street, that they'll make it to the other side safely, right, and that they can come back. You know, I'm really invested in working to build a city that works for all of us, right. Um, I believe no matter who you are the color of your skin, where we live in the city, or, you know, how much money we make that we deserve to share in Portland's prosperity. You know, government has an instrumental role in improving our lives, right, and preparing us for the future. But right now, we, we I don't think we have a city council that works for too many of us, right? We see that when the city council rolls out the red carpet for an out-of-state fossil fuel company, Zenith Energy, that continues to increase the volume of dangerous trains carrying crude oil running right past many of our residential neighborhoods. You know, we see the city council fail to prioritize clean air and, and public health when they assist Prologis Corporation to site a heavily polluting truck warehouse right across from Park Rose High School in a neighborhood that already sees some of the worst air quality outcomes in the city. And, you know, we see this when a single city commissioner can undermine and sabotage a really important and popular community safety program like the Portland Street Response, right, that sends Mm -hmm. a trained mental health professional to respond to mental health crises and removing the unnecessary presence of armed law enforcement officer, right? So we deserve better. I think Portlanders want a city where they can breathe clean air, where they can drink clean water, where they can afford the utilities that we all need to survive, where they live in connected, resilient communities, we deserve to feel safe in our communities, whether that's on the streets, like we've talked about, in our workplace, in our schools. We deserve a government that works for all of us, no matter how far we live from City Hall, right? Those Absolutely. are all possible. We deserve those. Yes. I think, sadly, we're in a place where I think like working people, average Portlanders, are left to wonder who exactly our city government's working for when certain politicians seem to be listening more to the largest corporations or the wealthy few who are really accustomed to dominating our politics through their campaign contributions. Yes, yes. And the concentration of power, we've talked about this a lot with the current form of government where we have these five commissioners that operate their own little fiefdoms within the government that don't seem to be all that accountable to people uh, because they're not district based. 
this expanding of the council with 12 new councillors, that right there spreads out the vote and you're going to be beholden to your constituents back in your district. So it's a, it's all good. It's a great move. Um, this is the, the, I heard clean air again for the third time. And uh, I wanted to point out, like you're one of the few candidates I've seen who highlights climate change as a number one priority. You know, I think most of us think of, of climate change as being more of a national issue to think about now, you know, or globally and locally, you know, we think about recycling maybe. But uh, so uh, talk to me about, you know, what are the, you've, you've mentioned a couple of them, Zenith Energy, some of the things that are going on locally, where can city government create change locally uh, to help improve climate change? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, clean air, clean water, climate justice is such a great lens to just approach, you know, all the issues that we're seeing, right? thinking about the role of government. The climate justice movement tells us that transition is inevitable, right? We see it with our changing climate, but justice is not, right? And when we think about who is most impacted, who is the most vulnerable, who doesn't have the resources to be prepared for the things that are already hitting us now, right? We know that um, every summer, our air is getting worse from uh, increased wildfires, right? Portland has in the last few years registered some of the worst air quality, I'll say it again, you know, in the in the world, let alone the country. We know extreme weather is taking a toll on families. We also know it's an economic issue as well, right? That the folks who are most in need are often the ones who can't afford the kind of home hardening or weatherization, as we call it, right? Get the things that you need to make sure you can breathe quality air in your in your home, right? That you can afford all the utilities that you need to get through the winter, which is getting colder, right? And seeing extreme cold. You know, those are all issues that Portlanders are already feeling. And, you know, on the hottest days, we have really stark inequality that we see in the city, right? Researchers at Portland State University have, you know, looked at the different neighborhoods throughout the city. And depending on how many trees you have, how close you are to a park, how much pavement is in your neighborhood, right? How many resources are down the street that your neighborhood could be 20 degrees warmer than another neighborhood on, you know, maybe the west side that has older trees and, you know, more more parks. And that, that disparity has meant life or death for folks, right? Yep. Um the zip codes that had the highest number of deaths during the last couple of years of record heat, those were located in East Portland, um, closer to 82nd Avenue across District 3, right? This is, mm -hmm. this is playing out in really stark terms for Portlanders. Absolutely, yes. So do you know of any cooling programs in the works for those those areas? I've been really interested in, it, it seems like so tactical that you could go in and, and actually make a, a big difference in the number of deaths in people's quality of life with street trees and, and cooling. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we Portlanders, I think, recognize the importance of preparing for uh, climate change and also to make sure that everyone could benefit from a clean energy transition from this Green New Deal that we talk about, right? That can also create well-paying jobs and prepare us for the economy of the future, right? You know, Portlanders overwhelmingly passed the Portland Clean Energy and Community Benefits Fund in 2018, right? Which asked the largest, you know, multinational corporations to pay into investments in our city that can go towards supporting our most vulnerable communities as they prepare for climate change, right? So that's, that's been huge. We're starting to see more of those investments come online, but we know there's still a lot more work to do. So for instance, the city should have an increased role in cleaning our Willamette River. 
we know that on the hottest days when Portlanders most need kind of the shelter and refuge that being close to the river can provide, right? That the river is literally too toxic to be in. It's it, right. And, and we yeah. know where the sources of that pollution are, right? We know some of it's at the Ross Island lagoon that was an abandoned mine that now is just literally festering toxins and al- algae blooms that run up the river, right? And not to mention up here in uh, north, northeast Portland, we have like the entire Portland Superfund site, right? Like, I don't know how many Portlanders know that the, you know, 10 miles stretch of the Willamette River from, you know, downtown all the way past St. John's is one of the most polluted places in the country here, right? Wow. Um, to quote, you know, uh, Bob Salinger, who works at Willamette Riverkeeper now, he's like, how can you see yourself as a green city when you have one of the largest Superfund sites running through your town? and not enough is being done on it, right? So yeah. we need to really step up and the city has a has a key role to play. We need to protect our neighbors and our neighborhoods from these problems that we know are, exist and that we can solve. Yeah, yeah, and draw attention and visibility to them because these are invisible things. So, I mean, the view of Portland looks very natural and beautiful. And, and so it, it really shocked me the first time I read about the air quality issues. Right. in Portland. Right. We should be able to share in the natural resources that the city has to offer, right? The that, That's part of what draws people to Portland, right? But we know that not everyone can access it the same. And that's that's a real shame. And that's a problem. And it really impacts public health, right? Absolutely. Yeah. There's a turn of phrase on your website that is new to me, which is garden our economy. And uh, I wanted to have you describe what, what you mean by that. What is, what is gardening our economy look like? Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for looking at my website. That's great. Um, I encourage everyone to look at my website, you know, robinyeeforportland.com. It's very thoughtful. Yeah, you put a lot of work in thank there. Thank you. I can see it. Yeah. Uh, to me, really focusing on lifting up the, the industries, the small businesses, the things that we know Portland can excel at rather than participate in this potential race to the bottom, right? To give away tax breaks and tax credits in search of what, right? Uh, to compete with yep. other places that aren't Portland. And, you know, we need to think about what what we have. And Portland is an incredible small business town, right? We, I think it's great that a lot of our local industry is, is spread out across the region, right? That we have, you know, what drives a lot of jobs, right? In our, in our city are located on great street corridors throughout our neighborhoods, right? That the shops, the restaurants, the breweries, right? Um, You you name it, right? Also the clean energy tech opportunities that we have in the region, right? The apparel lines that that are all headquartered in Portland. We need to focus on tending to what makes us most competitive rather than try to be even the suburbs of Portland, right? Like we have to think of ourselves regionally. We want to support small businesses. We want to make sure folks get the resources they need to be in community here, right? And not be displaced, whether it's their home or their business or, you know, lose those connections that they have in in the city. Sure. Yeah. And when you look at things like what Target has done recently of pulling the urban targets out, if you're supporting national brands like Target, it's very different than local businesses. Local businesses would be invested in their community as far as they would go, right? Yeah, as I far think as they can. Resilient communities are connected communities, right? And that yeah. includes the backbone of our local economy, small businesses, people who want to serve the community. I mean, I think we we want to be able to welcome any you know business to, to be able sure. to take care yeah. of it. I, Nothing against Target. Yeah, <laughs> like the Target. I mean, these trends of folks shopping from home, right, working from home, those are those are things that are affecting not just Portland. 
but communities, economies across the the country. And yes, um, we have to adapt to the kind of economy we want for the future, not beholden to what was in the past, even before the pandemic, right? Like these work from home trends. Portland was a place that people would work from home, right? And we can't go back to whatever we, we feel like was happening before the pandemic even. So. Sure. Yeah. And there are ways, which is really fascinating about how people have become more connected to their neighborhoods, I think, because they're working from home, because your time is being spent in your immediate neighborhood. Right. Kind of out of that is something else you, which I think is unique that you highlighted on your website is the the idea that there's an epidemic of loneliness. What do you mean by that when you bring that up? Yeah, we've seen from study after study that, right, we, in, in addition to all these um, issues that we've talked about, right, traffic, so uh, safety, much. so much, right, <laughs> yeah. that like, what's going to get us past this is to feel connected to our communities, to find community, right? Even some of these movements that to kind of attack our democracy, right? Um, we're, mm-hmm. we're recording this, you know, right after the anniversary of January 6th, right? right. The insurrections, like yeah. that, that comes from a lack of connection to our institutions. But more importantly, those folks found community in the groups that are, are doing those kind of things, right? Yep. Um, it's, it's really powerful. So, you know, I think that our government, our city, our policy needs to be oriented around what can bring people together, right, to stem this tide of loneliness. I think, you know, I think about it largely when it comes to housing, right? Um, I've been supportive, really supportive of the awesome, you know, inner east side for all campaign that the Portland Neighbors Welcome um, advocacy group has pushed forward, right? Not not just because that's absolutely what we need to do to meet our housing goals, but their vision of four floors and corner stores throughout all the corridors that people already live in in Portland, right? But extending that ability to build more inclusive housing, you know, multi-unit, multi-generational housing, you name it, to fit the needs of different families as they come into Portland, right? That's going to make a huge difference for people feeling like they're anchored to something and that they want to put roots in our city and grow businesses and raise families, right? That's that's what we need to be thinking about. I also think about how we can use policy on, on transportation, right? The more our city is built around being able to access our parks and um, having, you know, school zones be safe and traffic calm so that children can play, that families can be around there, right? To enjoy all these awesome natural resources that Portland has to offer. But if we're creating a city where to get by, you have to be dependent on coming out of your door, getting in your car, <laughs> driving, waiting in traffic, parking in a parking lot, and then going into another door and just reversing that whole trip back home, like that in itself. I don't know about you, like when I when yeah. I get stuck in that, that, that feels really lonely, right? Like, Sure. That's that's not the kind of city I think we should be pushing towards because I don't think that's going to that's not going to be the kind of city that makes us stronger for the future. Absolutely. Yes. Are you a bicyclist? Do you you walk, bike and transit? I walk, bike, transit as much as I can and yeah. I also do drive just like a lot of folks who, of course. who yeah. need to, yeah. Yeah. So, specifically District 3, tell me about the district and what do you think its needs are and uh, particularly I was thinking about about transportation. Sure. District 3 is an awesome place. I do feel the need to shout out that District 3, yes, includes a lot of inner Southeast, right? A lot of the great corridors, I call them, right? Belmont, Hawthorne, Division, Stark, Montevilla, right? Like, that's that's great. Uh, it also includes communities, you know, along the spine of our district on 82nd Avenue, mm-hmm. 
running up to Rocky Butte, Madison South, and also reaching all the way down to the Clackamas border, uh, Clackamas County border, right? Uh, Mount Scarlet, Arlita, uh, Brentwood, Darlington. I just want to make sure that those communities also are seen. I see you. Um, I've been working, as I said earlier, in uh, the last three years in Rep Con Pham's office, and she she represents those communities as well. So mm-hmm. District 3 is really wide, and um, I think it's full of dreamers. It has a lot of renters, right? It's, uh, it's a, a district full of culture. And when it comes to transportation, right, I think that's a shared um, experience, a shared interest for many folks throughout District 3. You know, I have really been working on this issue uh, for many years now. A couple things come to mind specifically for District 3. We need to see the same type of safety investments for Inner Powell Boulevard that we've seen for 82nd Avenue. And I, uh, we've defined, you know, Inner Powell as reaching from kind of the river, Rust Island Bridge, all the way to, you know, 82nd or I-205. Uh, we have several schools, like Cleveland High School, Kellogg Middle School, for instance, that are on Powell Boulevard, and that's state-owned. And we've seen just an unacceptable level of pedestrian deaths, bicyclist deaths, right in front of our schools. We need to we need to do something about that. We need to make the investments to slow those roads, to make those crossings safe, right? This past October, for Nationals like Bike and Roll to School Day, uh, I was with the Lent Elementary bike bus that started from Bridger, kind of close to Montevilla. Bridger Elementary, that was where the, the stop started all the way to Lent, which is across from I-205. And that bike bus, which is just like a rolling group of you know parents and students that are trying to commute, right? And you have safety in numbers rolling through the streets, right? That bike bus alone, we had to cross Division, Powell, 82nd, Holgate, and the I-205 overpass just to get to school. Wow. That is the kind of experience that we're, we're frankly putting elementary school students and their families through. That was eye-opening. Yeah, I I bet. And and we need to do so much better on making our routes to school safer and giving those options. I thought it was amazing that there was the bike bus. Students were so thrilled. They started the school day way more excited, ready to learn, got a lot of energy out, right? Um, But it's incredible that that's what we're asking families to do on on a daily basis. And sometimes they just... You know, we've seen students don't go to school because of lack of transportation options, right? Or because it's it's might actually be unsafe for them, especially if they live closer to school and there's not buses or other options. So, yeah, this is a this is a huge problem that we need to work on. I, I was about to say, great, because your response is is fascinating. Thank you for that for that detail. Um, uh, that's certainly not a great situation. So, <laughs> um, I'm glad that you're looking at it. So we can't have a conversation without talking about the police uh, pet issue for Kip and myself. Uh, I mean, but I think most Portlanders. Yeah. I don't think it's a pet issue. I think community <laughs> most... safety is really important to folks. Yeah, Absolutely. Yes. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, to your website, I, I noticed first that you called out treatment-centered law response, like P- Portland Street response. Um, I did notice in the news that uh, Renee Gonzalez uh, has pushed for the fire department to create their own version, kind of a Portland Street response. Have you followed this? I, you know, read the same headlines that you do. Yeah. 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 I think I saw that. I will be curious to see how that pans out. I can only imagine it's some sort of watering down and changing of of the original intent, but um, but we will see. I'll I'll try to be non-judgmental and wait and see what happens. But I did see uh, on your website, 
you said one of your first acts you think that of the city council would be to appoint a new chief of police and a new city attorney. That came from a understanding of with the charter commission, the, you know, January 1, 2025, we have a new government, it. it all resets. So um, from our from my work in the charter commission, we, we talked about how um, as we move to a professionalized government, that there were still key positions that um, needed to have really deep public engagement on. Um, right. And the, the public also represented by city council and and the next mayor in conjunction, right, to, to nominate, confirm. So uh, two of those roles were the city attorney, right, which represents the city in a lot of cases, and, and also the police chief, because I think community safety needs to involve uh, the community in that conversation. So those are two acts that have to be done. The next council will do those things, in fact. <clears throat> Who those remain, who those people might be, or what kind of background or theory of the case they bring to to Portland. I think that's an exciting opportunity to sure. engage the public that aids in building this local democracy of, that the people get to weigh in on. So yeah, yeah, but one all, of many things. Also, if the council uh, ends up tending conservative or centrist, quote unquote, uh, we might end up with a, a chief of police who tends toward conservative or quote-unquote centrist, which, I mean, in terms of a chief of police, I think that's just asking for more status quo. So uh, very important to get out and vote for progressives for so many reasons, but that's a, re that's a really good one to know. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that or known that that was part of the, the charter. Yeah, there are a lot of things that um, this new city council will need to take up, and I think it's great. Those are great opportunities. And it also does um, really feel like that change can't come soon enough because there might be, you know, it feels like there's more being added to that new council to deal with by every week from either lack of action from this current city council or, you know, some things might might get worse before they get better. So I think it's an exciting opportunity. The next council has to deliver and we need the right leaders that can manage all that needs to be done. Yeah. So through your experience in the state representative's office and representing this district in particular, what have you heard the locals in the neighborhood asking for? Like, what are their main concerns? Yeah, I mean, we've I think we've touched on a lot of them already as well, right? Housing, uh, public health, climate action, transportation. Um, I think we, we get the feeling that many Portlanders feel left behind, and that's playing out in stark terms, right? Portland ha uh, is increasingly less affordable. Portlanders are just trying to make ends meet. Many are searching for housing that is affordable, and those who do find it are still often rent burdened. Um, we know childcare is so expensive and unavailable to many that need it. Um, and again, transportation is often the second largest expense for households. And even those costs are increasing, right? Just increased this week uh, with climate fares going up. And it's increasingly harder to move safely across the city, right? Um, those are all huge issues that create barriers for a city that can work for everyone, where everyone could belong, that everyone has opportunities to, to be who they are and support their family and make sure that they can take care of them. That's that's what's at stake. I feel in the last few years, from my perspective, having worked in the state legislature, that often we'd have constituents who would email Rep. Fam and I know other legislators saying, I don't know where to turn to. I don't know who's listening. I email the city if I can figure out who to email. And I, that's not helpful. I see you, you know, state representative. Like, I, I see news coverage about you. I get your newsletter, right? I see you host town halls. 
Yep. And and so it felt like a lot of the times we were uh, doing our best to also support folks because the city wasn't there. So just imagine a world in which right. at the state level, a, a functioning city government would actually aid uh, in the state government rather than feeling like you're juggling more things than you, you probably can or that sure. you thought you would need to. So what, what would it mean for that to be an asset instead of kind of a drain on capacity? Before we wrap up, I wanted to kind of back up because I... I I'm not sure we really touched on, you know, why, why are you doing this? What, what, what in your experience, um, you know, what did you study in college? I think what, you know, what, or what your job experience is, what inspired you to, to go this way? Sure. Yeah. My love for Portland runs really deep and I think we can do better. And that's, that's why I'm running for Portland city council. Um, I think despite my work in politics or maybe because I've been working in politics so closely, I didn't think that the candidate route was in the cards for me. But what I think pulled me into really thinking about this seriously about this race was this past summer in July when commissioners Ryan and Gonzalez and in their you know infinite wisdom uh, tried to blatantly overturn the will of the voters um, by putting forward their own half-baked uh, I was going to say which time. Me- yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. This this past July, right, uh, when yeah. they put these half-baked measures that would basically repeal the charter reform that yeah. Portlanders overwhelmingly had just passed eight months prior, right? And seeing the community spring into action and defend that, that was, that was so heartening to see, right? Because we can either have a democracy or we can have elections where the outcomes are ignored if they're unfavorable to powerful interests, but we cannot have both. And right now, we, you know, for government to be able to govern for everyone, they have to be able to listen. And I don't think that the city council is listening right now. Portlanders worked really hard on the charter reform. They passed it with their votes. They deserve to see the benefits of this new system. Um, you know, I'm really committed to this charter reform. Um, I believe that it's going to make our government more responsive and effective um, and accountable. Um, My commitment didn't stop after my time on the Charter Commission. It didn't stop after the vote. You know, I told people that the city was going to work better for us, and I intend to keep that promise. And so that's why I'm running. Great. Well, Robin Yee, thanks so much for being here. Uh, I have one last question from Kip. Uh, he wants to ask about your cats. He's a cat person. Yes, yes. My cats, I have two tuxedos, uh, Benny and Martin. They're still part of my kitchen cabinet. Hoping to maybe replace them soon, though, if we can get some more resources <laughs> uh, and donations. You know, they're doing a lovely job. Um, yeah, they're they're great. They um, are my some of my best stress relief companions. And um, I encourage, I know a lot of folks got pets during the um, pandemic, keep that up. I think, yeah, we need, I think we need maybe some more cat energy in our politics. I don't know, like just to balance it out. And just for the record, I want to say, cause this is whatever, you know, too many people ask. I also love dogs. I love all animals. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand yeah. how being pro cat means that you're suddenly anti-dog for any reason. Like let's, let's, let's move past those binaries. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, thanks again. It's, this has been a great conversation. Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. And uh, I'll see you out on the trail. Thanks so much. Keep it up. Thank you for listening. This has been the Progress Portland podcast. 
Our theme music is The Acrobats by the Portland band Helvetia. <laughs>